labors with us, Father, to complete God's plan and will on this earth. And he's the teacher and the instructor and the guide. And so, Father, we yield to him. We thank you that he lives big on the inside of us. And we give you praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. We'll continue there today. So we have been talking about um, uh, verse 13. I think we're finished up with that one now. Uh, where it says, but brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And so we talked a lot about that. And um, being, having the ability to forget those things which are behind is a really, a really important uh, characteristic to develop in your life, that you ha- need to have that ability to forget what, was, what happened yesterday. Uh, and uh, if you're a person who is always bringing up the faults of others or the faults of yourself or events that occurred and they're still real to you, then you probably need some work in that area. Amen. You ought to be, you know, it's not that you couldn't talk about, you know, hey, did this happen? You know, you could acknowledge that that happened. But if it's still real to you, like it just happened and all these emotions rise up, then you have not successfully um, developed that uh, capability in your life. And uh, the nice thing is if Paul said that he does this, then that means we can do it. Uh, and Paul wasn't special. He didn't have a, any special ability in his life that, was, that is not available to us. Anything that Paul says that he could do, uh, that he could do all things for, through Christ which strengthened him, for example, then that means we can do it. Uh, and so if he could forget those things which are behind, then we can forget those things which are behind. And of course, you know, we have talked a little bit about Paul's life and uh, he had a good reason to forget those things which are behind because uh, knowing that he had uh, harmed the church and had persecuted the church as extensively as he had done, you know, a lot of times people can't get past that. Well, I, you know, I'm unworthy because of what I've done and what I've done uh, disqualifies me from ever being used of the Lord. And yet, um, you know, of course, he said that he did it ignorantly in unbelief, but he still did it. Uh, so he was able to get saved, to get born again, and, uh, and, then, and then go back to the very church that he was persecuting. And, of course, they were very nervous the first time he showed up, right, in a synagogue. Hey, I came to preach. Ah, we don't really know if that's true or not, you know. And uh, we would like to get a second opinion. That's why Barnabas went and found him, and Barnabas was kind of, uh, people knew Barnabas. <clears throat> and so uh, he, he got in good with Barnabas, and Barnabas, you know, kind of helped him out getting started the ministry. Because people were really uh, concerned that, you know, this is a setup, right? And so, but he made it through and he, and, he, and he just kept on going, amen? And it says that he reaches forth unto those things which are before. So what things uh, are before? So uh, he tells us in verse 14 that he presses toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of, uh, of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, and so one of the general attitudes we need to have is we always need to be looking forward, right? We don't need to be looking in the past, either about ourselves or about those around us. But, um, and, and in a one sense, you know, of course, Jesus said, you know, don't be worried about tomorrow, you know, sufficient is the evil of the day. Uh, you know, so don't be worried about that. But we don't worry about tomorrow, but we do look forward in a sense of looking forward um, towards heaven. And, you know, in, in my life, part of what that looks like is in, in everything that I say and do, that thought of if I say that, if I do that, I've got to stand before the Lord Jesus someday and give an answer for that, good or bad. Amen. And so, uh, you know, when I'm even when I'm preparing for services and, you know, the, the, the uh, messages here at the church, you know, I'm not just pulling uh, canned sermons off a shelf. I said, well, you know, let's just do 123 today. Uh, and, and, you know, don't even look at it, just, just read it. And uh, that, that would, uh, I, you know, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that with a good conscience, you know, and not the, uh, and I, maybe there's something wrong with that. I don't know. But, um, um, uh, I, you know, from my heart, you know, I feel like it's, it's important for me to study, to uh, uh, study the scriptures that we're going to be going over, do research on them, and understand what they mean, uh, and, and prepare my notes according to uh, what I've studied. Not that I don't use uh, materials and, and um, what other people have written about the, the Word of God. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Uh, but, um, and you know, sometimes I'll use an outline that somebody else has, 
but I would never take just an outline and just preach that. You know, I would take anything I take, sometimes I even preach my own messages that I've preached in the past. But even if I do that, I'm still going through every scripture, making sure I understand that. And, and it's rare that I would ever leave it alone, that I would that I, uh, often, most of the time, if not all the time, go back and add additional insights or, or revelations that we've learned since then, or additional uh, scripture references. Uh, and so... Uh, so uh, that, that's uh, I'm always looking forward and I'm so I'm, I'm thinking well uh, the Lord is going to judge me for the services he's going to judge me for how I act outside he's going to judge me for what I say to this person what I do with this person uh, and, and that thought's always with me because I'm always looking forward I'm uh, you know the the moment of that situation is not really important to me if somebody's unkind or they're aggressive or whatever it is uh, uh, you know, I'm not looking at that moment. I'm looking at the moment that I stand before the Lord Jesus. And not that my flesh doesn't ever want to rise up and, you know, you want to step outside and say that, you know, I am a human being after all. But, uh, but uh, uh, the balance of that is when that flesh and that emotion rises up, I still have to consider if I do this, if I say that, uh, if I'm looking forward to that day when I stand before the Lord Jesus, how is that going to play out? Uh, am I going to get a well done, thou good and faithful servant because of that moment? Or am I, am I is the Lord just going to look at me and go, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> you know? And I don't know if that's, that's unlikely those would be the words that he would say, but uh, I'm sure it'd be something along the lines of why did you have no faith? You know, why were you of no faith and not to allow me to, to intervene in that moment? Uh, and so, so we got, he said, reaching forth unto those things which are before. So, so, uh, you know, there is an uh, effort on our part that we need to be uh, in that sense of, of stretching out our, not just our hands, but really our faith and, and our lives to do that because he goes on in verse 14 and says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Uh, and uh, when he says press there, and I'll read this in a couple of different translations here in just a minute. Uh, you know, pressing towards the mark implies that there's some effort, right? That the, that the uh, and of course, the, the mark for the prize, the word mark there is a goal, right? So I press towards the goal for the prize. We'll talk some more about what that means, but he's pressing towards the goal. So that, that means that there's some effort involved. So that means that it's not just, you're just not walking up to it. That means you have to press in, right? You remember when the woman uh, with the issue of blood came in the press behind Jesus. Uh, and, and so there was a lot of people around Jesus, so she couldn't actually get into touch Jesus unless she made a, an effort. If she just got there and everybody's packed in around Jesus, you know, a lot of folks would be like, it's, it's too hard. Uh, I'm not going to do that. And so they wouldn't press in. They would not put the effort to do that. Uh, and so, you know, most of the time, in fact, uh, someone asked uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne one time uh, in one of his, he had uh, oftentimes had ministers' meetings, and they said, they asked him a question, uh, Dr. Dufresne, what's the most difficult thing you, you've dealt with in the ministry? And of course, they were, you know, hoping to hear some stories about some demonic, you know, activity and, and you know, casting out devils or, you know, uh, some exorcism. And of course, we don't really believe in that word, but, you know, some, some you know, dramatic uh, situation. And, and he said, well, that's easy. He said, the most difficult thing that I've dealt with in the ministry is myself. Uh, and, uh, and that's really, the, that's really true because if you're going to press towards the mark, then you've got to press through your emotions. You've got to press through your thought life. You've got to press through your flesh. You've got to press through because all of those things are wanting to hold you back. They're wanting to hold you back in sin. They're wanting to hold you back in memories. They want to hold you back in unforgiveness and whatever things that you're dealing with in your life. Uh, they want to hold you back because, uh, they're going to convince you that you're unqualified, that you don't know enough, that you haven't studied enough, that you don't have enough degrees, that you don't know enough people. Whatever the, whatever the thought life is, those things are trying to hold you back. So you have to press toward that, the goal. Amen. You, whatever the goal, he said, the, the, the prize or the high calling. So, so you've got to press towards your calling. So what's your calling? And, and you know, a lot of folks... Uh, they, they will start in their calling, but if the, if, it, if the work is too hard, a lot of times they'll, they'll walk away from that uh, and they won't do the work to press towards their mark, amen? Uh, it, it's too much effort, you know, it, and it may not even be difficult in a sense of, like, you know, like 
uh, fighting through a press like when like the woman with the issue of blood was around uh, was around Jesus, and she had to press through all those people that were around there. But sometimes, you know, it, it takes work to study. It takes work to pray. It takes work to to put your flesh under. It takes work to be consistent. It takes work to do these things, and uh, and it's not it's not hard work. It's only hard on your flesh. It's never hard on your spirit. Remember what Jesus said that the that the that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what weak. And so he was talking about you know, hey, um, do the hard things. You know, pray. Uh, I need you to pray right now. Uh, and of course they were like, well, I'm really tired. So they weren't pressing in, were they? When they when Jesus was in the garden. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into, into temptation. And, and they didn't do that. They just fell asleep. And then what happened after that? See, he was warning them that you're fixing to have this temptation come to leave me. If you'll, if you'll spend time in prayer and intercession, um, then you, you will avoid that. And of course, they didn't. And they didn't avoid the temptation of falling away from Jesus. And every single one of them fell away from Jesus. And of course, he brought Peter, James, and John to the garden, and those are the three that were always closest to him. Those were the three who were always supposed to be, you know, uh, regardless of the other nine, those three were the ones who were supposed to make it through the temptation, and yet they didn't. Why? Because they didn't press, through, they didn't press toward the mark, right? They, they didn't, when the, when the flesh rose up and the fear rose up and the anxiety rose up, uh, then they allowed those emotions and that flesh to uh, take over in their life, and they walked away from Jesus. Well, how many people are doing that every day? How many, how many times have ministers done that every day? Uh, and, and just, uh, I can't tell you how many ministers I hear stories about whether well, they're a pastoring or a traveling minister or something, and something happened, and they just, uh, what are they doing that? Well, they're not even in the ministry anymore. Yeah. And, well, what happened? Well, they didn't, they didn't, press, they didn't press toward the mark. Uh, you know, a lot of times an event occurs and maybe sin occurs, and uh, what do you do after that? Amen. What do you do after that, after that point in time? And of course, that doesn't give us an excuse to sin, of course, but um, there, there is an effort to Christianity. Uh, but, but you have to put it in the right context because a lot of times we say, well, it's, you know, uh, in fact, uh, uh, the book of Ephesians calls it the work of the ministry. And when I, when I read that, uh, I read it as, because in the context, he said the fivefold ministry gift is, is given to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. Well, a lot of times people say, see, in the ministry, there's work. There's wall, the walls are going to be painted and floors are going to be swept and bathrooms are going to be clean. That's not the work of the ministry. That's work and it's necessary work, but it's not the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is getting people born again, getting people healed, getting people saved, getting people uh, discipled. That's the work of the ministry. Right? These other things are necessary and helpful, but they're not the work of the ministry, amen? But a lot of times people say, well, see, it's hard work to be in the ministry. It's, 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 that's not the ministry, amen? Uh, and so uh, a lot of times people say that because they need people to work, right? They need people to clean the floors and, and uh, paint the walls, and so they, they coerce people into, into work that way by, well, that's the work of the ministry. And, and no doubt, you know, uh, Whatever, wherever you're at, you should put your hands to whatever needs to be done, right? Uh, as best you can, of course, you know, if, you're, if you've got a full-time job somewhere else, and, you know, I understand that. So, but you should, you should always try to put your hands to whatever is around you. And if you're called to be in a ministry, I know for, for, uh, for me, I knew I was called when I was a teenager. Uh, I, you know, uh, it took me a long time to get in a ministry. And um, looking back, I'm not really sure why that is, part of it, I think, was just lack of confidence in my own self, because in my mind, when I, I grew up pretty backwards just, in, just as a human being, and, and I just thought, well, the only really special people can do that, you know, and all, you know, people, you know, the, uh, the skies part, and angels sing, and, you know, uh, and uh, prophets come out and, and prophesy over you, and, and then, you know, uh, thunder rolls from heaven, and then you're in the ministry. And you know, I mean, I didn't know, you know, and and so it, I was really slow getting into ministry. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> when when the Lord told me to go to be with my pastor <clears throat> um, for many years, He told me that in 1988. I didn't just sit around and wait. You know, I just whatever was there, I did. You know, and, and uh, in fact, we had been there about a month 
after we got married, and I just went up to the pastor and said, hey, uh, is there anything that I can help you do around the church? I'm not doing anything right now. Is there anything I can help? And, and he said, well, what, what can you do? I said, I mean, you know, I said, uh, uh, I didn't give him anything. I said, well, I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I said, but, you know, the Lord has, has blessed me with ability and grace to do anything technical. I, you know, I'd be glad to help with sound. I don't know anything about sound systems, but I'm for sure technical enough to learn it. Uh, and he said, okay, we'll go back there and help, help with the sound. And so uh, I went back there and, and just watched the sound man for like two weeks, and he quit and never came back to church. And, and so I don't know if it was something I said. I don't think it was anything I said, but uh, then, then I became the sound man. Uh, but, you know, uh, we did the sound, and we helped with the children's ministry. We helped the nursery. Uh, Anytime the pastor would travel, we'd help with that. You know, I helped him with his books and his tapes and Anytime this church had to be cleaned, we did that. And I, uh, but on the ministry side, I was uh, involved in doing the, uh, the adult Sunday school class. And then they had opportunities to go to the nursing home, so I did that. And I had opportunities to go to the, to the uh, jail, so I did, uh, did the jail ministry. They had opportunities to do mission work, so I did mission work. You know, and when we did mission work, we, we went and preached somewhere. Uh, and so you know, even, even though I wasn't in the ministry, I was still doing the work. I was pressing toward that goal. You know, I wasn't just sitting still and just, well, Lord, uh, you know, when somebody calls me and gives me a ministry, then I'll, then I'll do that. Uh, and, of course, I just did what I knew to do, but I knew that my job was to press toward that mark. You know, I had to press towards it. And so, you know, even, and Chris can tell you, you know, even over the years, I was studying and, and, um, and preparing for the ministry. And then, uh, of course, then we, uh, then we got into the ministry, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't a huge transition for me to, from what I was doing to being in a ministry because the same uh, process of, of studying, and of course I've perfected it and gotten better at it over the years. Not that I've perfected it entirely, but uh, I'm much better at it and, and, uh, uh, in the, the, the way I go about studying and preparing for things. Uh, but uh, I'm always pressing toward the mark, and, and, I, and I'm not ever letting up. I'm not, uh, I'm not ever just idling well you know i've got you know i mean this this particular message right here is uh you know message 253 so i've marked all my messages i've written over the years and i'm on message 253 which may not sound like a lot for the 14 years we've been in the ministry but um you know we've been on we've been working this one for uh two three years right so you know sometimes the message goes a long time but uh uh so anyway it's uh um we, we've got to press toward that mark, right? And, and so we've got to do the work. And so one translation of, of verse 14 says, bearing down upon the goal, I am pursuing on for the prize of the call from above of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm bearing down upon the goal. Uh, one translation says, I strain to reach the end of the race uh, and receive the prize uh, for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. So uh, he's straining, they're bearing down, uh, they're pressing towards. So uh, all of that effort is really the effort that, that's necessary to make sure that your spirit man is always in charge and that when your flesh wants to rise up, that's when the pressing comes in. Uh, when, when your flesh wants to rest and sleep, uh, but you need to study and pray, then that's when you press in. When, when, when the emotions want to rise up and, and say things that you ought not say or do things that you ought not do, that's when you press in. So you're really pressing in primarily against your own uh, carnality in your life. Sometimes you do press in against the enemy of mankind. The devil will try to hinder you. In fact, uh, uh, at least once Paul talked about how he was going to go somewhere, but, but Satan hindered him. Uh, and he didn't, he didn't go. Uh, and so he, he was not able to successfully go on that particular trip because Satan hindered him. So even the great apostle Paul was unable to uh, uh, press through in that particular case. We don't know any of the details other than it just said that he was going to go somewhere and he couldn't because Satan hindered him. Uh, and so, which I think is an interesting, interesting uh, uh, discussion there. Um, uh, you know, why, why was that the case? I mean, other times Paul would just speak to the devil and cast the devil out. So what, uh, you know, we, and we don't know. We don't know the details of it. But uh, you know that he pressed toward that mark even, even when the devil was trying to hinder him. So, uh, so, there is, so there is some work, right? There, there is some work that's required for us. So let's turn over to, uh, to 1 Corinthians. 
I think in the sense of pressing toward the mark uh, that I like the way that uh, Dr. Dufresne had put it that the greatest struggle you'll ever have is with you. Uh, and if you look around that your greatest struggle is uh, the church or the greatest struggle is your boss or the greatest struggle is your spouse or the greatest struggle is your, your financial needs, then uh, that, that can't hardly be so uh, because all of those things can easily be handled by the word of God in faith. Uh, but Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he says, but I keep under what my body, uh, and so what, what does his body contain? Do we know? What lives in your body right now? Well, of course you do, right? But what, what's contained in, what else is contained in your body? Uh, but it's also the, the sin nature is the, the point that, that I want to make there. But the sin nature resides in your flesh. Now, someday we'll get a glorified body. That won't be an issue. But the reason why he has to keep his body under is because his body has been touched with the sin nature and carries the sin nature. And so there's always a conflict everywhere he goes with his sin nature that resides in his flesh. Even, he, even though he's born again, your sin nature doesn't, doesn't leave. Uh, what you have to learn and train yourself to do is to keep your body under. Uh, and of course, that, you can look at that in, in many different ways. But uh, uh, when he talks to the Corinthians earlier in, in the book there, 1 Corinthians, he said, you are carnal and walk as, as mere unchanged men. Uh, and that word carnal there, one definition is body ruled. So a lot of the church is body ruled, right? They're ruled by what their flesh wants them to do, by what their body wants them to do. And it's not just in, in the appetite, right? It's not just in food or rest. It's whatever that sin nature rises up. Well, I just had to tell them, you know, I just had to tell them that. Really? Did you really have to tell them that? Well, they just needed to know. Really? They needed to know, huh? Well, I really corrected them. Uh, and I remember one time I was walking by the, the years ago with my pastor. The ladies had taken a trip down to Florida. And they got back, and, and I just heard one lady gossiping to another lady about a third lady. And, and she was saying, yeah, I really told her, you know, uh, when we were down in Florida, she needed to hear that, you know, and I don't even remember the context. Of, uh, now, I didn't say that. No, I just went on. But my thought was, you need a bigger mirror because somebody should tell you, you know, about your attitude. And, and, and so, and of course, I didn't, you know, there's no way I would have done that because uh, that had been like, you know, saying something to the Tasmanian devil, right? I mean, she just lit right into me too. Uh, and so uh, I kept under my body in that moment and, and saved my body from harm but uh, by not addressing that situation. But uh, it's, it's amazing how many times people will do things without any self-awareness and, and not realize that, well, you know, you're, you're, you're being so uh, harsh on them, but you're doing the exact same thing. You know, you're being so critical about them, but you're, you're the same exact way. You're unkind and you're, 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 you gossip. And, uh, and so Paul says, I keep under my body. So uh, any voice, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, whether we're in 1 Corinthians in chapter 14, he said that there are many voices in the world. Uh, and that doesn't mean like you're crazy hearing voices. That means that, um, remember, uh, the Bible says that Jesus answered the fig tree. Why did he answer the fig tree? Because the fig tree had a voice. I'm not feeding you today. That, that's what the fig tree was saying. And so uh, uh, there are many voices in the world. So your body has lots of voices. Your sin nature has a, has a voice to always do something against the plan and will of God. Uh, and, what, and whatever that is. And, and of course, lots of times we're thinking of big things, you know, uh, uh, robbing a bank or stealing uh, money from a grocery store or something big like that. But it's also, uh, what did you say about that person? It's also, uh, what did you say about your pastor? What did you say about, about your church? What did you say about your spouse? What did you say about your kids? I remember um, when I was a, a college student, Chris and I, were, we went to the college age class. And so in my mind, all of these uh, adults, because I didn't consider myself really an adult hardly then. You know, I mean, I was married, but I was, I was still fairly young. But all these adults that were doing these classes, I remember... Uh, them talking about their kids, and, and and this is long before I had children, and they were never they were never kind about their kids. Oh yeah, so they're rotten. You know, oh yeah, yeah, I never can't do anything with them. And and I'm just thinking, that's terrible. I can't believe you talk about your kids that way. Uh, and and, uh, and so and I just made a note that you know why would you well, see they weren't keeping their body under, 
Because if they're talking to me like that about their kids, what are they talking to their kids like? What do they sound like when they're talking? You'll never amount to anything, right? You'll, you'll never make it in this world. You're, you're no value. Uh, and so that's keeping your body under. Because anytime you say something that is ungodly, that's against the word of God, against the spirit of God, you're not keeping your body under. Your body ruled. You're allowing your body to, to speak, your flesh to speak things or do things that it ought not do. And it says, I bring it into subjection. Well, into subjection to what? What's supposed to be the highest authority in your life? Well, God, but I mean, uh, as far as your spirit, soul, and body, who's supposed to be in charge? Your spirit man, right? Your spirit man should always be in charge of your life. And so anytime your flesh wants to rise up and say something, it should look over at your spirit, and your spirit should be just, you know, like uh, I train my kids that uh, after I learned not to yell at them all the time because the Lord said, the Lord told me that my authority was not... uh, he said, my authority does not, does not reside in the volume of my voice, which my parents never knew that. Uh, and so my parents, all they did was scream at me all the time. Just, rah, rah, you know, just, just, that's just the way I grew up. You know, just, you know, rah, 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 you know? And, and you knew you were in trouble until they screamed. You know, they screamed, now you should duck. But, but before then, you could pretty much ignore them until they screamed. And so, uh, but I got to where my kids, uh, where I could just look at them and I could just go, and that was enough. I didn't have to even say anything. I just give them the look, right? Whatever the look was, right? It wasn't an evil eye. It was just, don't do that. Uh, and so your body should be able to look at your spirit man. Your spirit man go, don't do that. And your body just goes, okay. That, that should be a normal part of your life. But what happens a lot of times, well, if, if you feel like it, you should just do it. You know, my my uh, high school uh, history teacher, Mr. Fisher, he'd always, uh, he'd always uh, kind of waddle around. He was kind of a Humpty Dumpty shaped kind of fellow, you know, and, and uh, he'd waddle around the class. If it feels good, you should do it. Uh, and so he was trying to indoctrinate all of us kids, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and that's what the world thinks too. If it feels good, you should do it. But see, the, the world refuses to acknowledge the, the, the existence of your spirit man. And they think that only you have a mind and emotions and flesh. And that's it. No spirit. But see, uh, every Christian or every human being has a spirit and every Christian has a born-again spirit. And, uh, you know, and I think about this a lot, you know, because with all, the, with all the controversy that's going on in the world today with all the transgender things and they talk about all the conflict and all, it's just insanity, right? It's crazy. And then they, well, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, there is, you know, and they say, well, these, these kids are going through such emotional trauma. Yeah, the reason why they go through emotional trauma is because they have a spirit being. Even not saved, they still have a spirit. And their spirits, uh, up to a certain point, uh, all spirits are created by God. So all spirits have a fingerprint of God upon them. Even if they're not saved, they still long for God. And that's why there's such a conflict in their, in their life. That's why they have such mental anguish. That's why you know, for, for a long time, and, and it may still be official, I don't know, uh, that if you, if you had problems with, uh, with what gender you were, that was considered a mental illness. And it is a mental, it's still a mental illness, even if they don't acknowledge it, because the reason why they're under pressure is because their mind is telling them one thing, but their spirit's going, no, I'm made like God. Uh, you know, if I'm a boy, I was made a boy by God. My spirit man knows that. My mind doesn't know that. My mind wants to switch sides and change teams, but my spirit, man, that's why there's a conflict, because their spirit are saying, is saying this over here, and their flesh and mind are saying this over here. That's the conflict. And until those two get reconciled, the only way they can ever get reconciled is yield to your spirit. Once you yield to your spirit, then you're good. Even if you're not saved, your spirit, man, up to a certain point, will still long for God. And if they are saved, then for sure it's going to long for God. Uh, and so, and, and it will always yield to God. That's why there's conflict. It's not because they just don't know they're not a boy in a girl's body or a girl in a boy's body. It's because their spirit man goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And, and somebody is telling their mind, no, 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 you should feel that way and it's okay to feel that way. Why? Because they lie just like the devil lies. They are, they are of their father, the devil. And the devil hates the creation. The devil hates the, the establishment of, of, of uh, male and female that the Lord defined in the word of God. Uh, and, and so if you look at it from a spiritual standpoint, it's really easy to figure out, right? Why, why are they having such mental anguish? Because their spirit man won't yield to their mind. Their spirit man always will, will, will lean towards God. Even if not saved, still going to lean towards God uh, and long for God. 
And no matter what lies they listen to, no matter what, what uh, surgeries they go through, that conflict will always remain until they yield to their spirit. And, and so it's really easy. You know, I can help every person in the world ever struggling with their gender identity. Just, it's really simple. Yield to your spirit, man, and all those thoughts go away. Right? Put your body under. Keep your body under. If you have a thought that you're not, you're not what God created you to be, you tell that thought to shut up. You, you put that in subjection to your spirit. No, I'm created in God's image and God's likeness. And God created me as a male, then I'm a male. If God created me as a female, I'm a female. And of course, the, the height of stupidity now is, that, well, what, what's a female? Oh, I'm not a biologist. It's like, it's so dumb. People, you know, this whole thing is just, just the, the thing that amazes me the most is, is the level of stupidity that these people have tried to get you to believe. Well, you know, there's a spectrum of gender. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm embarrassed for you as, a, as an intelligent human being that you would even say something so dumb. I mean, so uh, like, like PhD level dumb. I mean, you have to have a degree to be that dumb. Uh, and so, uh, but it's just lies. It's lies because they have allowed, people like that have allowed their, their body to, be, to rule their life, right? Their flesh to rule everything and they have seared their conscience, right? Now, when you sear your conscience, uh, the conscience is the voice of your spirit. Whether you're born again or not born again, the voice of your spirit is always your conscience. Right? That's why uh, the, the, the medical world doesn't understand your spirit, man, so they call it the subconscious. Well, no, there's no such thing as, there's no biblical subconscious. It's only your spirit and your mind. And when you press your spirit down so far, that it doesn't really have a voice, then it becomes a subconscious. It should be the conscience, but, it, but it's a subconscious. But the conscience is always the voice of your spirit. Uh, and if they can get that voice to shut up by searing it, see, it's still there, it's still trying to speak, but it's seared now. And, and it, you know, when you sear something, it's like, it's like scar tissue. Uh, and, and that voice is still there, but it has a much diff once more difficult time to be heard. Uh, and, but the nice thing about it is the Lord can heal that. And you get born again, all that's gone, and you hear clearly about your, you hear your spirit clearly again. So these things are not, from a, from a biblical standpoint, these things are easy to understand. Right? Why is there so much conflict? Because there's a, there's a body that somebody hasn't put under. There's a flesh that somebody has not put in subjection to their spirit man. And these things would take five seconds to deal with if they would deal with it from a Christian standpoint, from a biblical standpoint. These things are easy, amen? They're not hard. Uh, and we don't, we're, there's no such thing as conversion therapy. It's you're either born again or you're not born again. And if you are born again and you're still dealing with gender issues, then you need to go to 1 Corinthians 9.27. You go to 1 Corinthians 9.27, all that goes away. It's not an issue. And it's a five-second deal, right? Now, it may take some effort to unwind all the lies you've heard and to get your mind renewed. Getting your mind renewed does take some effort, amen? Uh, and so, but a big issue is uh, the church is not keeping their body under. Uh, they, they, uh, if they feel like it, they do it. If they, if they think about it, they do it. Uh, if they want to do it, uh, then they assume that because they want to do it, it must be okay. But that's not true. Just because you have a desire, uh, that doesn't mean that, that all desires are good. Amen? If you have a desire before you execute that desire, you should review that desire in light of what the Word of God says and what the Spirit of God says for your life. Uh, and if you do those two, if you just those, those two things alone will tell you whether you should yield to your to that uh, voice or not. Uh, and, and, and so, of course, what they do nowadays, they lie with the Bible, right? They say, oh, yeah, the Bible supports transgender. It's like, you lie. You don't even know. You don't even book, chapter, and verse for any of that stuff, right? You're just making up stuff. Uh, and all these famous people, oh, this is absolutely clear. And you got ministers and from standing in pulpits, you know, oh, yeah, God's a trend. You know, it's just so dumb. I mean. You know, the thing, you know, it used to be these people were in the closets and, you know, uh, they would do things behind closed doors and nobody would ever see them. And, uh, you know, people do weird and perverted things in their own life, you know, whatever. I mean, none of my business. I'm not your judge. You, you know, you, if you want to keep it behind. But now they want, it, they want to do it out in the open. And, and you see men dress as women all the time nowadays. You don't see as many men, women dress as men, but you see women, uh, men dress as women and makeup and hair and all this stuff and, and just like, uh, uh, and, and you know it, it's it's sad to me. To, it, you know I don't get mad about it, uh, but because uh, they're sinners, right? They need they need the Lord. Amen. We, uh, we shouldn't be repulsed by him, but um, uh, but it's just sad that that they've gotten to that point that 
They've listened to the lies, right? They did not put their body under. See, they think if their body says it, then that's what they should do. If, if their flesh says to dress like the opposite sex, then, that, then I, you know, that, well, that's what I should do. I should be a true to myself. That's what they say. Be true to yourself. But the, see, you're, not, you're, you're, you're being uh, unclear. True to what self? Because you, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And that body has a sin nature in it. So what self are you being true to? See, if they would be always true to their spirit man, even if they're not saved, if they're always true to their spirit man, then, then they would never do that, right? So when they say their self, they're not really saying their self, of, of their, their core being. No, they're, they're talking about their vain imagination they've been living in for all this time. Uh, and so, but you remember what Jesus said, that, uh, that it's impossible that offenses would come, but woe to, to those whom through they come. See, all the people that are telling the lies to these children, all the people that are, that are indoctrinating these people, Jesus said, woe to them. Now, the people that are suffering under these lies, you know, they've got to be helped and dealt with. And, and if they become militant, which a lot of them are becoming militant about it, and demand that you approve of them and accept them and, 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 uh, uh, and promote them, you've got to deal with that. But the people that are, that are the perverted people that are telling these lies, these parents that are tra- transing their kids, uh, there, there's, there's the, the level of perversion there, you know, it, it's, it's just mind-boggling that they would harm their children this way and, and lie to their children this way. Uh, and, so, uh, and so they're not keeping, their, keeping under their body. But in the church, if you'll keep your body under, see, then, then that means that the voice of that body is a lot quieter than it normally is. Uh, if you don't do it, your body, the voice of your body gets so loud you can't hear anything else. And so that's all you do is your body rules. You just, well, I had to hear it. Well, I had to do that. Well, I just wanted to. Well, I just, you know, sometimes you just got to, you know, sometimes you just got to cuss. And sometimes you just got to do this. And sometimes, and I hear, you know, I hear excuses all the time. I hear, I hear people, now I don't say nothing. It's none of my business, right? Just between you and the Lord Jesus. But, but uh, you know, I was with, a, with an evangelist one time and we were doing something at his house and he hit his finger with a hammer or something and he cussed. And he said, well, you know, sometimes you just, you know, you can't help it. Well, that's just not true. Sometimes you can't help it. That's not true. Sometimes your body rules. Now, that's true. See, that's true, right? But that makes you look bad. So you can't say that because, you know, that makes you look bad. Uh, but you can't say, well, you can't help it. That means it's not my fault. That means I'm not guilty of anything, and there's nothing for me to repent of. Well, that's not true. If you cussed, you know, you should repent and, and, and uh, cry out to God for his mercy and, and receive his forgiveness for that. Uh, and so it's not that you're going to die and go to hell for it, but you know, you should never excuse away your actions. But, but um, right now, the church is full of excuses. Well, I can't because of this. I can't because of that. Uh, you know, I was saying something to Jared about something the other day. And he said, well, you know, I heard this preacher say that you can't just make up excuses, you know. And uh, I said, shut up, Jared. Uh, and so, uh, but, um, uh, but he's right, you know. Uh, we can't live by excuse. Uh, and, and so, the, uh, verse, tw- verse 27 is such a great verse because... It, it helps you understand that, that the, everybody's got to do this. Nobody's exempt from this, right? Uh, everybody in the church has to do this, this work right here. And this is the greatest effort that you'll, that you'll strive, that you'll press towards, is this right here. That the, that the work that you'll do is keeping under your body. Because if you keep under your body, that means that the voice of the Lord can be easily heard, and you'll always know in every situation what to do and what not to do, and what to say and what not to say, and where to go and what not to go. Uh, what to buy, what not to buy. See, it actually, your life actually come, becomes very easy. If you'll keep your body under, it's just really easy because then you just do what the Lord says. And if he says, don't say anything, then you don't say anything. Well, don't you, don't you think they've got to know? Well, no. I mean, you know, just, I've had people just fuss at me because I didn't do something they thought I should do. And yet in my heart, by the Spirit of God, I had no unction to do anything. In fact, sometimes the Lord says just, just let it ride. And he's told me that many times, just let it ride. Just, in other words, just, and I know what he means by that. What he means is just, there's nothing for you to do. Let it run its course. It'll take care of itself. Uh, and so, and it, and it always did. Um, and I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to be the bad guy. I don't have a problem being the bad guy, but I don't have to, I didn't have to say anything. And because and, sometimes when you say things, you just make things worse. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection to my spirit, right? I'm adding that part, but that's what it means, is who you bring it in subjection to, to your spirit man. Your spirit man should be the one who, 
who tells your body, it's okay to go do that. It's okay to, you know, I'll let you go take a shower today. Uh, you know, I'll let you eat right now. I'll let you sleep right now. But, but sometimes, you know, your, your body wants to, uh, and sometimes it's not really sin, but it's just, I, I want to be in charge. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Sometimes, no, I'm not, no, no, I'm not feeding you right now. Feed me now. No, I'm not doing it. Feed me twice. No, shut up. Uh, you know, sometimes you just, sometimes it's good to just tell your body no, to let it know who's in charge. Amen. To, to, now you don't, uh, uh, I was listening to Keith Moore talk about this one time and uh, the Lord was instructing him uh, about this verse right here. And he said, you should be much harder on your own body than you are on other people's bodies. Because a lot of times the church is really harsh on you. You know, you're a terrible person. You need to straighten up. You need to quit doing that. Well, what about you? Oh, thou great man of God. You know, uh, you, should be, you should treat other people with kindness, but it's okay to treat your body with, with some level of subjection. Because he didn't say put other people in subjection to you. Right? you. You're not my subjects, but my body is my subject. It should answer to me, uh, uh, I'm in chief in charge, uh, and I'm the king of my life. My spirit man is, not my body. And so uh, my body is my subject, and I treat it as such. It has no rights and privileges. Uh, and so, now, clearly I'm not perfect at it, but, but, uh, but that's just generally how I live, is I keep under my body, and I have kit. kit. Uh, in fact, uh, one translation says uh, that, uh, in fact, well, I've got, the, I've got a footnote right here that I wrote down. Subjection means to lead away into slavery, Claim as one's slave to make to make a slave and to treat as a slave. In other words, with, uh, with severity, subject to stern and rigid discipline. That's for your body. That's not for other people. That's for your body, right? Stern and rigid discipline. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, if you're not careful, you can uh, you can get to the other extreme of this, where you almost worship your body. Well, I gotta, you know, I gotta have waters from the springs of Italy, and I've got to, you know, I've got to get at least 8.6 hours of sleep, and, and I have to walk 10,000 steps, and, and I've got to drink eight, you know, eight whatever liters of water, whatever it is, you know, I don't know, um, and you find out that people end up almost worshiping the body. They go to the other extreme, uh, and uh, anything wrong with, with eating right and getting rest? Well, I don't, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but the church will often be in one of the two ditches, right? We'll be way over here and just be completely body ruled, or you'll be way over here and still body ruled, but it looks, it looks uh, more polite, right? You, you know, I can't, believe, I can't believe you eat that. Well, because I like it, you know, <laughs> if you're at it. I can't believe you eat bacon. Uh, if you're at bacon, I mean, if you had bacon, you'd like bacon, right? Uh, but, you know, they, they'll look at you, I can't believe you do that. Well, I don't see any book, chapter, and verse about this, you know? I can't eat bacon, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for snacks. I mean, I could, but I, you know, I don't do that. I mean, I really like bacon, but um, uh, but I'm not. You know, if my, if my body started saying, "I want bacon all the time," gotta have it. I mean, no, you don't get to do that. You don't. You don't get a voice. You don't get a vote. He has zero votes, right? Your body should have zero votes. Uh, and so, and then that doesn't mean that you've got. To, uh, some people will go into the extreme where they where they harm their body, right? If, uh, you know, if, if, if your body needs water and there's nothing wrong with drinking water, no, you're not getting water. And they'll, they'll eat poorly and they'll do things and they'll, they'll mistreat their body. Well, it's not, it's not mistreating it, it's, it's subjecting it to stern and rigid discipline, right? It's gonna, discipline just means it's gonna be this way and there's no other way, amen? So you're not harming your body, you're not mistreating your body, but uh, when it tries to, uh, really the, the issue is, when it tries to step over the lines and control your life, that's when it crosses the line, amen? As long as it stays behind the line and says, hey, you know, I'd like some rest. Okay, well, I'll, I will let you sleep. You know, uh, I, I, my spirit man, will let you sleep. Well, you know, I'd like a dessert. Well, okay. I want desserts all the time. No, shut up. Go to your room. You know, it, I mean, it, it's that kind of mentality, right? Uh, and so, uh, and you should be stern with it. When it crosses the line, you should put it in subjection, amen? Uh, when it lashes out at people, you know, you should go home. Don't you, don't you ever do that again? You know, uh, and uh, because he says, uh, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So Paul, you know, it's interesting here that, that he's talking about, you know, I, I am a minister, but, you know, I, I don't want to be ministering over here and saying, oh, you all need to love God and be good 
and then go over here and just let his body rule his life. Because he said that, that will result in him being a castaway. Now, not, not that he's going to lose his salvation, but he'll, he'll be cast aside out of the ministry. He'll lose his position as a minister. And, you know, it, it's a, in fact, I was talking to someone just yesterday about, they were talking about a, a pastor who told them to do something and just wouldn't even do it. Uh, he said, I'm going to go down to the church and I'm going to go to the service and I'm going to sit on the front row and just look at them. Well, I don't know that I would do that, you know, but, but you know, uh, I would probably forgive him is what I would do, you know. But, uh, but his run-in with ministers was such that, uh, you know, of course he's talking to me, but we have a good relationship. Uh, he's like, you know, I don't know that any of them tell the truth, you know. Uh, well, of course you do, right? But, uh, um, but I have observed even in the ministry that uh, a lot of times, I mean, I've seen ministers just treat their wives terribly, treat the wait staff terribly, you know, be so demanding about this or that, you know. And, and in fact, I told one minister, I said, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Dr. Dufresne and tell him you're, you're high maintenance. Because <laughs> they were, they were like, you know, they wanted to, you know, it's like, look, I mean, I, uh, we only have a place to eat where we have a place to eat. We don't have any other place to eat other than what we have right here, right? And we can go down to, well, we can go down to Chattanooga if you want to, but but uh, they're, oh yeah, just anywhere. How about no? I don't want to go there. How about that? Yeah. Anywhere. How about that? No, I don't want to go there. Just like kind of with with uh, Chris, right? Where do you want to go eat? I oh, just wherever. Okay. Well, how about you know KFC? That's what I think of first, right? No, I don't want that. Well, why'd you ask? You know. And so uh, I just get to where basically I say just wherever you want to go, honey. You know, that's just wherever you want to go. Uh, uh, and, and so because you you know if it was left to me, my flesh would probably eat like a twelve year old every day. And, and so uh, I think I'm thankful for my wife. You know, I don't have to eat like that every day. Uh, and so. Uh, but see, uh, I like the contrast here because he said, if you're not careful, if you become body ruled, you will become, you know, a castaway or rejected out of the call of God upon your life. You're still called, but God's ability to use you in that call has been hampered. Now, that's not just limited to the ministry. It's whatever you're called to do, right? Whatever you're called to do. If you're called to be a door greeter, if you're called to be an usher, a deacon, or, you know, a singer or whatever, um, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Every, every single Christian has a call, about, a call of God upon their life. Amen. Uh, if you go over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you go to, in fact, we're in, in chapter 9, if you just strip, switch over to chapter 12, it says in verse 28, And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps governments, diversities of tongues. Uh, and so this, this includes the entire church right here. So he's got the fivefold ministry gift. He's got the apostles, prophets. The, the uh, work of the miracles uh, is really, uh, and the gifts of healings is really the uh, evangelist's office. And uh, the governments is really the pastor. They're the ones who govern the local church. But then you've got helps in there. So you've got the fivefold ministry and then helps. So everybody in the church is either in the fivefold ministry or in the ministry of helps. So ministry of helps is really all-encompassing. Anything that helps the local church or helps the minister accomplish the goal that God has called them to, that's the ministry of help. So everybody has a calling upon their life. And if you go to Romans chapter 12, it brings out some other distinct, distinctive uh, ministries there uh, that's uh, not really the fivefold ministry gift. But um, if you go to uh, Romans chapter 12, it talks about some of these things are ministry gifts, some, but some of them are just uh, in the helps area. In verse 7 of ministry, let us waiting on our, on our ministry. Well, let, let's go back up to verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether, whether prophecy, uh, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us waiting, wait on our ministering, or on, teacheth, he, uh, on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. See, uh, uh, an exhorter is not a fivefold ministry gift, but an exhorter is someone who just encourages you to press into the Lord, right? Uh, and a lot of times, you know, Miss Sandra sees an exhorter, right? When she sings, a lot of times at the uh, in praise worship, you'll hear her singing, and, and what is she doing? She's exhorting us, amen? So, and that's a ministry. It's not in a pulpit ministry, but it's a ministry. Now, he that giveth, giving is a ministry. Let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, and that really goes back to uh, elders and, and those types of roles in the church. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, and so it really, you know, these are all really part of the helps ministry, but uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of, lot of diversity in the, in the church that people have different gifts, right, to do different things. Uh, and so if you're not careful, 
see you'll have that ministry and because you don't want to have your body to be under subjection of your spirit you will become rejected out of that out of that call now i don't think it's a permanent thing i think the lord is merciful and i think he can restore to a certain extent those things if you're willing to repent and do the work to get back and, and uh, get your life where it's not body ruled uh, i think if you're breathing air you still get a shot but you know the, the problem with that mentality though because a lot of people think well it doesn't matter the lord will forgive me well he will forgive you well, it doesn't matter he'll restore me well you know he will restore you if he can but you know if you're if you're in a ministry and, and you do something crazy as an elder well, you may not ever get to be an elder in that ministry again. You know, you may have to go to another ministry to be an elder. Well, why not? Well, because, you know, trust is earned and, and uh, trust broken is, can be difficult in, in uh, a long term to get that back. And some people, they have a hard time even developing that trust again. Um, uh, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that sometimes you get rejected because of your flesh. And there may not be a place there for you. You may have to go somewhere else. You know, if you're a pastor and you get mad, I mean, I, I know a pastor that uh, he got mad at his church because, well, they don't support me and they don't come to my meetings. And they don't give like I want them to give. And, and he just whining and complaining about, you know, his church. And so he left. He just shut the church down and started another church down the street. Well, I mean, did the Lord tell him to do that? He didn't tell me a single thing about the will of God. He just said, I don't like these people. Uh, I was like, well, I mean, what? I wonder what they think about you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but, uh, and so, uh, you know, if you're not careful, you'll become a castaway from whatever God's called you to do. And is the rest of, I, you know, I, I believe God is a God of second, third, and 50 chances. Amen. I believe he is, but there often are ramifications to your, in the natural realm to your actions. Amen. I mean, if you commit a, a, a heinous felony, and you get arrested, you get thrown in prison, and then you get saved, well, that's great. Praise God. You may never get out. Now, the Lord got Brother Randy out. We're thankful for that. But how many people were in Brother Randy's church? Remember that? When he talks about his church, that, that prison, there was over 100 people in his church. There's probably a lot of them that are still in that, in that prison and will never get out, will never see the light of day. And so whatever God called them to do, God didn't send them to prison to be in a prison ministry. God had a call upon their life that now it's been changed because of their actions. And so God can use them. You know, he may use them as deacons or you may use them as a prison uh, pastor. It's not God's best, amen? God didn't call him to be a prison pastor. Uh, and so and that's why God had to get Brother Randy out. Uh, but he went, in, he went in knowing that God would get him out. So a lot of them don't go that, look, a lot of them get saved till after they're there. So, uh, and look, uh, if that's the case you know, for somebody, uh, you know, if you wake up and realize, you know, Lord, I should have been, I should be way over there, but I'm way over here now, and, and there's no way to get back, I would just start where, wherever you're at. Just do, do the best you can wherever you're at, you know, because there's still uh, uh, hearts to, to uh, or souls to save, right? Not really souls, but spirits to save, people to get born again, still disciples to be made, still prayer to be had, still studying to be done. So there's plenty of work to do. It just may not be the fullness of what God calls you to do, but, I mean, that's the, that's the I'm not going to say that's the hand that's been dealt to you. That's the hand you dealt to yourself. Uh, so just start there. You, there can be still joy in that, amen? Uh, and, and I think that's an exception uh, more than a rule. I think the Lord is merciful, and oftentimes if he can, he'll get people back to where they could be or should be. But I'm not the Lord, amen? And so some things with, with, with man, there is some things impossible, right? With God, there's nothing impossible, but man, man sometimes be like, no, I'm just never going to accept you again. And I mean, if you did something to your church, you know, I know a lot of pastors who do things, uh, make mistakes in the church, and the church welcomes them back. And I know some pastors do things in the church, and the church says, no, you need to move on. Well, I want to stay there. Uh, you need to move on. We, we can't, we can't, in our hearts, we can't cry. Well, should they be able to? Well, that's between them and the Lord. I'm not their judge, amen. I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, but... Uh, the best the best route is keep your body under amen if you keep your body under and i mean that includes your flesh that includes your emotions that includes your thought life right keep your body under in those three rules those three areas of your life keep it under your spirit if you'll keep it under your spirit then you'll never need to the, you'll never get to the end of this verse right you'll never get to where uh, myself should be a castaway and be rejected uh, and, and 
And again, the, uh, we know uh, Romans eleven twenty nine says that the gives and calling to God are without repentance. So he will not repent uh, having called you. He's not going to go, well, I, I changed my mind. He's never going to do that. You'll always be called, amen? Uh, and so you know, the, the castaway could be from uh, you being able to execute that which you're called to do. Uh, and so you don't want to be in that boat. And, and I think it's, uh, well, I can't tell you the percentage of times that, that happens. It does happen. I've seen it happen. But, but I've seen a lot of people uh, uh, become a castaway by their own choice. They just don't want to do what God's called them to do. It's like that one pastor. I don't like my church. I'm going to go down there and start another church. But, you know, now, look, will, will the Lord move pastors? He does all the time, right? He moved us. He moved us here. And we were pastoring another church. He moved us here. Uh, he could do that, but I wouldn't move unless it's the will of God. Uh, and it took us, it took us about uh, eight to ten months to discern the will of God. When he, when he, we knew it was, we knew in 2012, this year the Lord wants to make a change in our ministry, but we didn't know what it was. And so, you know what we did? Nothing. I mean, we didn't change anything because that would be crazy. Let's go change this to see if it works. That's that's a, that's crazy talk, right? Uh, you don't just start changing things and see if that's the right thing. You pray. Uh, and Chris and I prayed. We prayed, for, you know, for months. And we said, well, you know, and then we talked about it. Well, you know, what if the Lord wants us to do this? And we'd say, well, you know, what if we do this? And so down here in our hearts, you'd be like, that's not it. Okay, well, then we're not going to do it. See, we weren't going to go, well, let's just try and see if it works out. No, that's, we're not going to do that. You know, we're going to be led. Amen. Uh, we're not going to be led after the fact. A lot of times people go do things and then they want the Lord to bless that. Well, Lord, I've done this. Now you kind of have to bail me out and, and make it successful. Well, that, the Lord's not obligated to do that. So best, best plan of action is wait on the Lord. Uh, and, and, and so we did. We waited on the Lord month after month after month. We didn't make any changes, kept on doing everything exactly the way. And finally said, well, what if we move our church here? And when we said those words, said, that's it right there. And then we talked to Brother Randy, we talked to Dr. Dufresne about it, talked to several other ministers about it. Hey, hey, this is what we sense the Lord was wanting to do. You got any counsel about that? And without exception, everyone said, oh yeah, we knew you should have done that a long time ago. Well, thanks for telling us, right? Uh, and so, uh, but see, I'd much rather be slow and be right than to be fast and get wrong. Uh, and the Lord, the Lord didn't rebuke us for being slow because we were diligent to pray and we were willing to move. We were willing to do whatever we wanted to do, uh, regardless of the cost. You know, and when we did that, we drove back and forth every service for a year and a half, every service. You know, we only had two services then, but twice a week we'd drive down here, do the service, drive back. Drive back to the middle of the week, do the service, drive back. Uh, and, uh, and, and no big deal. It wasn't, even, wasn't even a thing. It wasn't, it wasn't, oh, it's so hard. It's just exhausting to do this. Nope, wasn't even a thing. Because the will of God is never, never difficult, Amen. Uh, and so uh, back, back in Philippians chapter 3 then, uh, so he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. So there is some effort for the goal. What's the goal? What do you, when you look out there, and, and one of, the, one of these uh, insights of this word mark is it's a faraway goal. It's something that you, uh, that you see, I'm heading that direction. So it's not just like right here, I'm trying to get to the front row. It's I see heaven, that's where I'm headed. You know, that's a faraway goal, right? If you're living on this earth and heaven is a faraway goal, right? It, it's a long time from now. It, it's a goal that you see, right? We see, we see our place in heaven. We see that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that's where I'm headed. And so if you ever think, well, what's he looking at? I'm looking towards heaven, right? I'm, and that's the, that's the mark, right? That's the goal that I'm headed towards is heaven. It's not, oh, I got to have a certain church. I got to have a certain income. I got to have a certain number of people. I got to have a certain size building. It's None of that even matters. It's just, you know, we, we have to do that in the natural because we live here on the earth. But when I think of my goals, you know, my goal is not, well, I've got to have a certain size church, you know. It's just my goal is heaven. My goal is to look like heaven, to sound like heaven, to talk like heaven, to think like heaven. That's my goal. Uh, and, and I have to press toward that mark. Uh, and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm 58 years old this year. I, I so wish I would have known this these thoughts when I was, you know, 28 years old, you know, even 18 years old. I was saved when I was 15, but, uh, you know, I didn't know any of this stuff, uh, and um, that's why I have to live a long time, because, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm behind in all these things, amen, and so, uh, but, uh, but 
I press toward the mark. So there's some effort. And the only effort is you keeping your body under. That's the only effort. If you'll keep your body under, everything else is pretty straightforward. I know sometimes the devil does raise up and, and cause us uh, difficulties, but usually it's, it's not so much the devil specifically. It's the people that yield to the devil that come into your life and give you a hard time. Uh, and it's by my observation, it's one out of a hundred, but it's, uh, they, they uh, consume 99% of all the energy in the world, right? It's only one out of a hundred, but they, but they, it's like a one ninety-nine rule, right? Uh, 1% of the people use up 99% of all the energy. Uh, most, most church members are just super easy to deal with and they're wonderful people and they're, you know, uh, you help them uh, all that you can. And then every now and then you get one person out of a hundred who's just, you know, can you move on now? You know, and just, I mean, you, you want everybody to come that the Lord wants to be here, but then some people, they just, they really struggle with, with being Christians, right? They really struggle with just being servants of the Most High God. They want to run everything and take over and be in charge. And it's like, did, did you skip all of kindergarten classes or something? Did you skip all of remedial Christianity about being a servant? Aren't we all servants, right? Uh, and, and when I was with my pastor, my goal was to be the greatest servant that I could be under his ministry. Uh, and even here, you know, my goal is to be the, the, the biggest servant to, of them all. Uh, and so that doesn't mean I have to do everything. Uh, I'm not trying to do everything, but uh, I'm going to be a, a great servant. Amen. Uh, I'm here to serve. I wasn't here to be served. I'm here to serve. And anybody who wants to, wants to be served, uh, they've got a long way to go. Amen. Uh, and so we'll finish up there. We'll, we'll pick up a little bit more of this next week. Uh, this is such a good verse here, these two verses, 13 and 14. Because uh, if you'll do the part about forgetting those things, see, that, that's the only way that you can press toward the mark is if you can, you know, pressing toward the mark is looking forward, right? The only way you can look forward is if you're forgetting those things that are behind. People that are looking behind all the time and remembering all the past and their own past and other people's past, they don't even know where the mark is. They're walking backwards in their life. And they have no idea where the goal is. They have no idea where heaven is. They have no idea that the Lord Jesus is going to judge everything they say. They have no idea. They have no concept of eternity. Uh, and if you'll forget all that stuff, see, then you can turn around, and then all you'll see is heaven. Uh, and, and life is easy. Life is so easy. It's just the easiest thing in the world to live in, uh, like you're pressing towards heaven. And once you get there, see, then when people try to do things to you that are unkind or people uh, try to be uh, disrespectful to you, it's just, it's just not even worth the effort to respond or to get engaged in that. It's just, I'm sorry, I'm looking towards heaven. Were you saying something? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm looking this way, you know, and they, they want, they're all, these, all the time trying to get you to change your focus, to look at them. Why would I look at, I'm looking to heaven. And so uh, let, let's, let's press toward the mark. Let's press toward the goal. What's your goal? Amen. Uh, is your goal heaven? Not that you're saved or not saved. I'm talking about looking like heaven, silent. That's your goal, right? To look. When I get to heaven, it should be just the easiest transition. Just walk right in and go, well, I'm, I, I've lived this way for years. I'm so happy to be here. Some people go to he- get to heaven like, wow, I've never seen this before. This is really, this is all right, you know. Uh, it's all new to them, right? It should, it should be, you should be like, just walk right in. And, oh, man, this, I've been living like this for so long. It's just nice to see it all now. Amen. Uh, Let's pray and thank the Lord for his words. Father, we do thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that we can press toward the mark, uh, the the goal, Father, of heaven. You are the goal, Father, to look like you, to sound like you, to talk like you, to act like you. Father, nothing else matters. We keep our bodies under. Uh, Father, uh, lest having preached to others, we ourselves would be a castaway and rejected from the call and plan that you have for us and that we would be sidetracked from completing the fullness of that plan. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that we can press toward the goal, Father, by forgetting those things which lie behind. And, Father, we have the ability to do it. We have the power to do it. We have the grace to do it and the Word of God to do it. And so, Father, we thank you that we can do it, and we will do it, Father. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, is the Lord good? Like I said, I I really like these uh, two or three verses right here that just... They really should set the tone for your whole life, right? They should, you should be able to look at these verses. Yeah, I'm all, you know, why, why, you've always got this faraway gaze. Yeah, I'm always looking to heaven, right? And I don't really have a starry gaze, but, you know, uh, th- things of this earth, just uh, the conflicts that people get involved with, and I, people I know just, they're always in conflict with somebody. They're always conflict fighting about something or somebody. 
It doesn't matter who they're with. There's always a conflict. It's like, if you would just look towards the goal, all this stuff would just evaporate. It'd just be gone. You know, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even be involved with it. Amen? Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. Um, uh, Saturday, Jared is graduating at 9.30 a.m. And um, uh, Reverend Larry Hutton will be here with us on Sunday at 10.30 and at Healing School on, uh, at 3 o'clock. And then uh, the week after that is uh, the Strawberry Festival. And then uh, Mother's Day with our uh, church meal will be on May the 14th. So come ahead, Mr. Jared. And, um, um, and Chris will be back with us. Uh, she'll be heading back from Canada uh, tomorrow. And she'll be here late, but uh, be at work on Friday here in Dayton. So, all right. Praise God. Well, uh, you all have a wonderful week. And uh, so we do have prayer, but prayer is going to be next Friday. So not this Friday night, but next Friday out to the 12th, I guess. Yeah, 12th be prayer uh, here at seven o'clock. So, all right, be blessed and uh, you're dismissed.